Welcome to the Master It Podcast. I'm your host, Allie McGee. The Master It community is composed of individuals who want to show up as the best version of themselves every single day. We are dedicated to creating small, tiny daily improvements that compound over time for a massive transformation. We act with kindness, integrity, compassion, and grace to ourselves and others around us. We show up ready to learn, be inspired, and inspire others to be great. We lean into the discomfort of change and growth knowing we'll be better humans coming out of it, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So glad to have you here and let's get to it. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Master It Podcast. I'm here with Megan, the self-care queen, to chat about all things self-care, finding a self-care routine that feels good for you, and how to manage overwhelm. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I feel like this is just meant to be. Mm, Yes. Before we hit record, we were kind of just chit-chatting, getting to know each other a little bit beforehand. And I just have such a good feeling about this. So let's just dive right into it. Can you share a little bit about yourself and what you do for a living? Yeah. Uh, My claim to fame is as the self-care queen, self-proclaimed. And what I really help people do is to plan and prioritize their self-care because especially in this world, it is so easy to put ourselves last, to forget to actually schedule time for ourselves. And so I run a self-care club and I also have an eight-week self-care course that I run once a year. Uh, And then on top of that, my big job is as a college professor. So um, little, little secret there. Oh my gosh. I love that. Wow. You do, you have your feet in both worlds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, how I got started actually in, in the world of self-care was seeing how many of my students were really struggling with their own self-care. I obviously struggled with my own as I was, you know, young twenties trying to figure out everything of, you know, what do I want to do in this world and how do I want to show up and, you know, really working those long hours and hustle, hustle. And just then seeing it in my students, you know, year after year after year, their coping strategies, their overwhelm, all of those really intense feelings. And I said, we got to do something about this. And so I started integrating self-care practices into my teaching. Mm, Wow. Incredible. I want to take your class. (laughs) Yeah. That's what all the students say. They're like, I don't think I learned anything in English, but I definitely learned how to love and take care of myself. And I'm like, okay, like, Job well done, Meg. Like you, you did a great job. Ah, you crushed it. I love it. So how did you step into this role of coaching? Um, were you, you know, on the end where you were totally neglecting self-care yourself and then you're like, whoa, pump the brakes. I need to change something in my life. Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone who's hit rock bottom, um, I've been there a few times and uh, a frequent flyer of the rock bottom. And after one particular rock bottom where the rug was really pulled out from underneath me in terms of my identity, um, you know, I, I really realized that the only certain thing that I have in this world is myself. And I realized that I didn't really know who I was and I didn't really know how to take care of myself or love myself. And so I went on a pretty big journey of reading a heck of a lot of of books. You could find me in the self-help aisles of our local Indigo chapters store, you know, with the pile stacked in my hand and, uh, and taking courses. And we talked a little bit 
earlier about my yoga teacher training and becoming a meditation instructor. And so really stepping into mindfulness first and then, you know, moving into more of the mindset work as well. And so it just became this, this thing that I started doing it and saying, you know, I need to heal from, from my past. And I, I don't want to hold on to all of these heavy things. And the best way to do it is to learn how to soothe myself, learn how to take care of myself, what that looks like when I'm experiencing stress or big emotions. I don't want to stay in the spirals. So I just taught myself a different way. Incredible. Um, it's, I kind of have this, I have this huge smile on my face because I'm just like, oh my gosh, she sees right through me. I feel seen. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just thinking of all the times I've been at the bookstore, just like gathering up all the books. I'm like, oh yeah, I need this one and this one. And then I also turned to yoga myself for a lot of, it was very healing for me to like get off that spiral and create that space of like reflection and honestly to, switch my nervous system for the, from this fight or flight mode to like rest and digest and chill. So then I could ultimately create the change because you can't create the change when you're running at this high frequency and panic and overwhelm and anxiety. It's like you have to chill and rest and then make the change. But I think it's really hard for people to almost like downshift mm-hmm. into that place. Um, did you find that yoga was healing for you as well? Yeah. Yoga was really like one of other than reading, um, yoga was definitely, you know, one of those places where I really started to connect again with myself. And and so the, the way that I teach self-care, the way that I think about us achieving our dreams, it's like a three-step thing. And reconnection is first, like that mindfulness piece needs to come before the rewiring our brain. Cause we can't really like positivity the heck out of ourselves if we don't even like know who we are. And we look in the mirror and we're like, I don't think I like this person. Um, and so for me, yoga was that baseline of let's start breathing. Like the very, the very basic thing of like, let's get into this present moment. Let's just feel what it, what it's like to breathe air in and to breathe air out. And I met, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my like darkness and a lot of my, um, wounds on the yoga mat and was able to process them in a way that felt really good and non-judgmental and, and really felt like coming home after maybe too too long away, too many uh, big wells of rock bottom that I had been in. Mm, coming home, like, uh, like I feel like I'm going through that huge transformation right now, just going through yoga teacher training and just coming home to my body. And I'm like a year out from being 27. So I'm like, oh God, Saturn return is coming. Yes. <laughs> Um, but I just had someone read my chart and my progress moon is about to, at 27, it's going to line back up. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, like over the next year, year and like a month-ish, I know I'm going to feel so at home in my body. And it's just, I have to keep continuing doing the things that I'm already doing, like yoga and meditation. And then I can really just like feel like I was when I was a child. So it's going to be really cool, but it's this incredible feeling to finally feel at peace with your body and like at home. So you mentioned that you're also a meditation teacher. I always get the question of, 
or, you know, the concern of like, I can't meditate. I can't sit there. What would you say to this person? I feel like it's the biggest like concern when people want to start a meditation practice, but they don't know where to start or don't think that they can sit still. Mm, And I would say I was that person and I'm still that person. So when I started meditating, I actually started in the bathtub um, because the bathtub was the place where, you know, I felt like, you know, the, the stress of the world kind of leaves when you, when you close that bathroom door and you kind of sink into, into a relaxed nervous system. And if your nervous system is really hyped up and your mind is really active, it's hard to just sit there. And then we just jump into all these judgmental thoughts of, oh, I'm not doing this right. I can't focus my mind. And and even the best meditation teachers don't have a still mind, right? The idea is that we're sitting to process the information and we're trying to let go of it. And so I would say every if you're sitting and you're just like trying to focus on the present moment, you're meditating and that's cool. There are some tips and tricks that really help. And uh, I actually coached uh, a woman for uh, three years. And when I started working with her, she's like, I hate meditation. I'm never going to be a good meditator. And then, you know, by the time she, you know, three, three years down the road, she, um, she realized that when she put headphones in, it made a huge difference. So, you know, just the act of like only having the guided meditation in her ears, that really helped. I think lying down also really helps. And for people who have a super active mind, uh, doing a, a mantra meditation where you have to focus on words or you repeat the words that you're listening to, or it's just, you know, a, a phrase that, that you say over and over again. Sometimes it's a Sanskrit word, um, but that allows your mind to focus on that thing, which then becomes more of a meditative state, right? Of where you're just focusing, your attention is on that one thing. So those are some of the tips and tricks that for people who, who think like, oh, I'll never be good at this. Uh, I say there's always a way. Mm, yes. Amazing tips. And there truly is always a way. I love that you talk about the bathtub. Mm. It's a little non-traditional. I think people think that meditation has to be this place where you go and sit on a pillow for 20 minutes and sit in silence. And it's like, no, like meditation can be wherever you are and be whatever you want it to be. So I think you have some great tips and I hope more people just dip their toes in the water and, and try it out versus in having that beginner's mind of like, oh, like, I don't know what I'm going to get for this, but I'm just going to try it. Yeah. And, and understand that maybe the meta, like for me, I had to find the right teachers, right? The right voices, the right kind of guided meditations that I could go back to. And and it took me a while to find people that I resonated with. And so if it doesn't work the first time, not to give up, but to say, oh, you know, there's got to be somebody else. Or I know I've flipped on a meditation like, oh, that voice, (laughs) you know, I cannot do that voice today. And that's okay, right? It's really about what's going to work for me and not necessarily what looks good to society or what society is telling us meditation or yoga or present moment awareness looks like. It's really about what actually feels good for me because that's self-care. Incredible. Yes. Uh, I think it's finding the right meditation app or, you know, teacher to get started is kind of like dating. Like you got to like just keep showing up to that first date and just trying it out no matter how good or bad it might be. Just show up and try. And then if it works out, great. Move on to the second date. And if not, like, cool, ditch it. And like, don't ever talk to them again. No no big deal, you know? Totally. And for anyone who's listening and, you know, you want to get started, send me a message and I will send you a list of 
of like all my favorite people and maybe they'll work, maybe they won't, but at least you have like a starting point. I love chatting in the DMs about meditation teachers and all the apps that I have or the people I follow. So please, please, please. I'm so happy to share. Oh my gosh. I love that. Okay, cool. Moving into being overwhelmed and managing overwhelm, I think, especially for me, my early 20s was a very overwhelming time and I didn't necessarily have all of the coping mechanisms. And even now I get overwhelmed on a daily basis. You know, it could be the smallest little thing. It's like, my world's just shook. How do you like to manage overwhelm on a daily basis? Like, do you have tips or tricks? Like, how can we approach overwhelm through a different lens? Yeah, I love that question. And it really does come back to that sort of methodology of step one is reconnecting to yourself. So what mindfulness practices, what brings you into into this moment? Because when we're in overwhelm, we're actually up in our heads and we're in worry. And so bringing our attention back into our bodies through mindfulness. So whether that's going in nature, whether it's like touching leaves or trees or the ground, or just to remind us that we're in our bodies. It could be yoga. It could be movement. It could be journaling. It could be, um, you know, talking to a friend about the present moment for some people that works for some people, it just spirals them a little bit more. And so really understanding what does my overwhelm look like? What's sort of the thing that's driving the bus of like overwhelm and how can I step into my body? Most of the time for me, it's breath, right? You just come back to the breath, you're in the moment um, and really really starting to reframe or shift what the sensation is in the body. So for some people, overwhelm might be tight chest, it might be headache, it might be um, like really clammy hands. And so if you can name the sensation and draw attention to the sensation, what we do is we bring our nervous system out of that hyper arousal, which is overwhelm, right? Where we just have so many little pieces that don't seem to fit anywhere. If we bring it back down to reconnecting with ourselves as step one, usually that solves the problem right there. It's just getting in the habit of knowing, okay, what does that look like? What's my recipe to get there? Mm, yes. Uh, I think you bring up a great point of like, almost if you name it, you can claim it. And then it's like the overwhelm dissipates. It no longer has power over you. It feels very similar to shame, right? Like when shame festers and sits in these dark places, it grows and we just, and we feel overwhelmed from it. So it's very interesting how the two are, are fairly similar in that terms of how they manifest in the body. Um, so I think you have some great tips. Are there any like breathwork practices that you like to use to get back into your body and, and in the present moment? Yeah. I mean, some of them, it depends on, it depends on your personality. It depends on if you're really activated. Um, because sometimes the breath, if you let's say have, um, a longer inhale and a shorter exhale, that's actually activating you and can take you into bigger, bigger spirals. Right. Um, and so usually it's a longer exhale or it's an equal. And I just read the book, um, breath by James Nestor, which I so recommend to every human. Uh, it, he talks about all of these scientific studies and, and research that shows how many of our chronic illnesses and even just everyday ailments can actually be healed through our breath and breathing through the nose. And so he says that the magic number that they found is five and a half second inhalation, five and a half second exhalation. And for some people, 
we might need to build up to that. We might need to go three and three out or four, four, and then getting to five, five. But one of the biggest tricks is to actually breathe through your nose. And the best way to do it is to put your tongue on the roof of your mouth. So if we talk about yoga, a lot of Western yoga practices say relax your tongue on the bottom of your mouth, like relax your jaw, put your tongue down. And that's actually backwards to how to actually get a full breath in. And so if you put your tongue on the roof of your mouth, you pull the air in through your nose, the back of your throat constricts, and it creates this sort of like suction so that that air and that oxygen actually goes to like the very, very tips of your lungs. And so sometimes even just 60 seconds of that nose breathing can bring our nervous system back into a state of that like window of tolerance, right? So I would say like start there. That's the best thing. Um, we can also bring our hands to our body. So if you want to breathe in, uh, you can have your hand on your chest. You can have hand your hand on your belly. Um, for me during COVID, hugs have been really missing in my life. And so if you put your right hand underneath your left armpit and then you take your left hand across your right shoulder, for some people it'll feel opposite, like you would switch it. Um, but if you have a bit of pressure and you just breathe here, um, that sensation of touch changes the physiology in your body. And so it can help you to come back down. My mind is blown. Life-changing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like taking notes. I'm like, I need to use all of these. Cool. Wow. Awesome. The five and a half second inhale and exhale. So interesting. I'm definitely going to check out that book. That sounds really, really great. I know for myself, I forget to breathe. And so mm -hmm. then it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I have to like constantly remind myself to like inhale and like have that super long exhale. I found personally that the long exhale, like a four, seven, eight breath works wonders of just like really focusing on that long exhale and just really slowing the body down mm -hmm. because I'm very up in my head, always lots of anxiety. I'm a Gemini. So I'm very like you know, so like I always have to come down and get my body and get grounded. So those have really helped. Um, but I'll definitely have to try the five and a half in inhale and exhale. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, when I first started taking yoga classes, I had no freaking clue what equipment I would need for class. I found a studio that had this rockin' deal that if you bought one of their in-house mats, you got two weeks free of yoga. Obviously, I immediately jumped on this deal. After taking a few classes with my new and very cheap mat, I knew there had to be a better option. I was sliding around, couldn't keep my hands or feet in one spot, and I felt that I wasn't getting the most from each class simply because I was worried about falling over or sliding off the mat. I knew I had to level up my mat to get the most from class. And after shopping around from several different big name brands, I found that if you wanted a high quality mat, it came with a high price tag. My stomach would literally churn every time I looked at the price tag. And after finally investing in a mat, my experience in class was truly transformed. I was able to drop in deeper to each pose and get more from each class. It was life-changing. My next thought was to question why the price of these mats were so high. Getting the most magical experience from yoga truly had a high financial barrier around it. 
This sparked my interest to create a mat that had equal quality, but was available at a much more reasonable price point. Cue the product development phase for Life Simplified Yoga Mats. The journey was long and tedious. There were lots of trial and error when working with manufacturers just to get the right mat that I was looking for. And finally, after months of testing different mats, I finally found the mat that I was longing for. It was thick for the ultimate joint support and cushion, grippy to help you hold each pose without the slip factor crossing your mind, and big enough for you to stretch out in Svasna. And boom, the Life Simplified Crystals collection was born. A mat that's got the same quality as big name brands like Lululemon, Aloe Yoga, and Nike without the big price tag. With four beautiful colors available, they are all named after magical crystals due to their healing power, so there's truly one for every mood. My personal favorite is the Amethyst Matte. It's this gorgeous purple and always helps me transcend and transform while I'm practicing on this mat. It's magical to say the least. Shop Life Simplified Yoga Mats now at lifesimplified.shop and use the code PODCAST for 15% off your order. Once again, shop Life Simplified Yoga Mats at lifesimplified.shop and use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for 15% off your order. The link is in the show notes. Okay, let's jump into self-care. Um, your expertise. Yes, I love this. Um, what does self-care mean to you? So the, I get this question all the time. And, and for me, I see self-care as the things that, um, that help support us. And usually I talk about it in four different four different sort of aspects or pillars. And because I'm an English professor, obviously there's going to be a heck of a lot of alliteration here. So bear with me. Uh, but mindfulness, mindset, movement and momentum. And so mindfulness are the things that bring you to the present moment. Mindset are the things that get you a bit more positive. Movement is physical movement, but also energetic or emotional movement. There's tools and techniques for that. And then momentum is anything that moves that needle closer towards, you know, self-actualization, self-awareness. It can look like activism. It can look like taking courses. So when I think of self-care, I think of those sort of four, four main pillars and and really looking at what brings you closer to how you want to feel. So if anyone's thinking, you know, like, you know, I saw that person doing like bubble baths and face masks and whatever. And like, yeah, cool. That's probably nice. But is it actually taking you to where you want to be? So if I were to wave my like magical self-care queen wand and say, you could feel any three things tomorrow, what would they be? If you figure that out, if it's um, to feel free or to feel inspired or to feel balanced, then your self-care is going to relate to those. You'll say, what's taking me closer to these feelings? Then you'll also say, what's taking me away from these feelings? And so you want more of column A and less of column B. And then you'll be able to see, you know, maybe the six hour Netflix binges every Friday night are actually not my self-care, right? Maybe eating the full bag of Doritos is actually taking me away from how I want to feel. And so then you can design a system that truly works for you and, and gets you to, to how you want to feel. Because we all just want to feel different, right? We have, we have different... And those, those feelings can change throughout the year, can change throughout your lifetime. But I would say that that's, that's like the very first step is to figure out, 
what, what do you want? How do you want to feel? Mm, I think that's a really great starting point. I think a lot of people, including myself, have fallen victim to what society tells us is self-care. It's the bubble bath. It's like the facial. It's all these things. When when I've started to realize, I'm like, I don't love, like sometimes it's getting your nails done for some people. And like, for me, I don't love going to sit and just like have my hands just like worked on for like an hour. I'm just like, ugh, like that is like draining for me. So I realized I'm like, that's not my self-care. That doesn't work for me. And so I have to find another tool. How can someone find self-care that feels good for them? Yeah. I think it's a lot of practice to be Mm -hmm. honest and trying different things. And when I often meet people first, it's just getting what I call fluffy self-care into their schedule. So that would be things that, you know, are kind of a little bit softer. They feel maybe, you know, on the edge of self-indulgent, but they're not. So that would be bubble baths, massages, walks in nature, that sort of thing. But then as you get, you know, a little bit more practice, there's also icky self-care. Things like looking at your finances, setting boundaries, having difficult conversations, like all of that is self-care as well. And so um, that takes sometimes a little bit more facilitation. It takes a little bit more support. Um, And so the fluffy and the icky need to exist in someone's life in order for us to really take care of ourselves. Amazing. I've never seen it's divided like that. So interesting. Love the fluffy, love the icky, both needed. Um, and obviously it's like the icky is not always fun, but it's just, it's some of those things you got to do hard shit to like knock it out and you'll feel so much better after it. Like how many times have, I mean, at least in my personal life, how many times have I avoided that hard conversation? Finally, like worked up the courage to have it, knock it out. And then afterwards, I was like, it wasn't that bad. And I feel a thousand times better afterwards. Yeah. And that's part of taking care of ourselves, right? And when we're thinking of that momentum aspect of the self-care, what's going to move the needle forward? It's going to have, it's going to be having those hard conversations. It's going to be honoring ourselves and setting boundaries and, and saying, you know, I'm worth it. It's also about digging into like childhood wounds and opening up Pandora's box and being like, okay, what's in here? And, and here, what are some tools? How can I get support to deal with this stuff so that my past isn't present, that I'm not bringing this forward and that I'm, I'm able to be my very best self because I want an abundant, fortunate life. Mm, Incredible. Oh my gosh. So we've come to realize self-care is important. How does consistency play a role in self-care? And then how can someone consistently get self-care on their schedule so that it's actually done and not just pushed by the wayside? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question because oftentimes when we get busy and I hate the word busy, I say Mm -hmm. action packed. When we have an action packed schedule, the very first thing to go is ourselves, right? Like we prioritize. And and if anyone has children, if anyone has any sort of other responsibilities or a lot of responsibilities, you know, what's out the window first, it's the yoga class, it's the workout, it's eating healthy food. And so what's really important is to figure out where all your time is going. First of all, Like, what are you spending your time on? Because I know for me and for a lot of my students and a lot of my clients and a lot of members in self-care club, you know, that phone, man, we are spending so much time and people say, I don't have time to take care of myself. There's, there's no way I can do that every single day. And it doesn't have to take a lot of time. And I bet you people are spending more time 
on their screens than they are with self-care. And so for like a nice little rule, I like your self-care to match your screen time and not your like work zoom screen time. Cause that's a little excessive, but your actual, your actual like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever kind of app you're using that the best thing is to make sure that that self-care matches. So to be consistent with it, I think we need to know where our time is going first of all, so that we can say, okay, what's doable for us so that we don't make these sort of grandiose plans of doing a 60 minute yoga class five days a week when we haven't even been doing it once a week and really strategizing where, where do I need those breaks in my day? Because sometimes, you know, we, we feel like out of control of our schedules. And and the one thing, unless you have toddlers, (laughs) which I don't, but I know people who do, you can control how you wake up in the morning and you can control how you go to bed at night. And so there you've just bookended your day, whether it's a five minute routine where you just sit and you put your hand on your heart and you say what you're grateful for and what your focus is for the day. Or, you know, at night you think back to the day and like, what, what was magical about today? How did the universe conspire in my favor today, you know, taking those little moments, putting in the mindfulness mindset movement and momentum somewhere, um, morning and night, and then also just peppering it in throughout your day, right? It can be a 60 second forward fold. It can be you closing the door in the bathroom because nobody's going to ask you what you're doing in a bathroom. This is my secret. You just bring your headphones and you can meditate in a bathroom, right? Whether you're at work, whether you're in your own house, people are not questioning what you're doing in that bathroom and you can turn it into your little self-care space, to be honest. So for consistency, I think it's equal parts, knowing your time, knowing what sort of self-care you can fit into your schedule, what takes five minutes, what takes 10, what's 60 seconds, and then also giving yourself a lot of love and kindness and grace when you, when you mess up, right? When, when you don't do the thing and putting your hand on your heart and say, you know, I did the best I could today and tomorrow's a new day. And we don't have to spiral into that sort of guilt or shame, or I'm a terrible person because I said I was going to do something and I didn't. It's just, it's just information. And we get to choose what we do with that information and knowing that we're really deserving and, and worthy of taking time for ourselves and that we're so much better to our people when we take time for ourselves. You are just dropping knowledge bombs left (laughs) and right. I'm so obsessed. Over the last year, we've come to realize how important self-care truly is. And taking care of yourself is honestly easier than ever with a sutra. This female-owned brand stands for empowering active self-care that isn't selfish. At Asutra, they know that by taking care of yourself on purpose, you'll feel better both physically and mentally, allowing you to take on anything. All of their products are natural and safe and massive bonus here are made at an accessible price point. Plus, they use organic plants, minerals, and essential oils, never test on animals. Their products are all PETA certified and cruelty free and none of their products contain parabens, phthalates, or petroleum. I'm honestly obsessed with their products and I've been currently fixated on their everyday magnesium lotion. This lotion makes replenishing your daily magnesium 
and easy part of your routine. With a lemongrass scent, it instantly makes you feel calm and relaxed. And for after runs and long workouts, I love their Melt Pain Away. This is a magnesium body butter that has capsaicin in it, which is a natural pain relief cream. Mm, it's so dreamy and ugh, I'm obsessed. After a session on my mat, I love to use their Yoga Mat Detox Spray. It's an all-natural cleanser that can be used on other gym equipment too, so not just your mat, but whatever equipment you've been using, and we know that we love to be sanitary. It's so versatile and comes in a variety of scents. My personal favorites are the lavender and the peppermint sprays. Mm, they are dreamy. I'm excited to have partnered with this brand because it is literally so aligned with Life Simplified, my health and wellness brand, and the Master It podcast. So I've got an exclusive discount for my listeners. Use the code Allie15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off your order. Link is in the show notes to shop now at asutra.com. Yeah, I think it's, I think a really great piece that you brought up is even if we're not perfect, like it's okay. And I think that's the point is like, we're human, we won't be perfect. So it's just information coming in of like, oh, like what happened? Why did I miss my self-care pieces, you know, three days in a row? Like what happened? Look back. Oh, okay. got some information. Here's how I'm going to tweak that moving forward. So that doesn't happen again. I don't think we have to be, you know, just like riddle ourselves with like guilt and shame and negative self-talk about it. It's like, oh no, it can just be interesting and then we move forward and like still have a great time and we don't get sucked into this negative spiral. So I think that's huge. And accountability. Accountability too, right? Knowing knowing you have a family behind you, whether it's like, you know, real family or it's your friends or it's self-care club, like people who are saying like, what's your self-care like today? It's not, you know, did you read this thing in the news or like whatever latest celebrity gossip? It's like, how's your heart? What are you doing today to be in the moment? You have those people around you so that it becomes more normalized because busy has been normalized. My mission is for self-care to be normalized. That it's like, if you are not doing self-care, you are the weird one. Yeah. Right? Like you are on the outs if you are busy. You can't sit with us. You don't practice self-care. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Tell us. I might take that. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And I think now that social media is almost normalizing these hard conversations, especially around things like mental health mm-hmm. or and talking more about self-care, you know, on the regular. Um, I hope that we shift in that direction where it's like we start having honest and real and raw conversations with people versus, oh, how's the weather? Or like, how's work? And it's like busy, work is busy, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, and just have all like these negative like things to say. And it's like, let's like move past that superficial talk and like get into like the real stuff of like, tell me how you really are. Like, don't make me go therapist mode. Like, let's just get there. <laughs> totally. And and that question that I always ask, how's your heart, right? Because we spend so much time up in our mind. It's like, I don't want to know what's in, I want to know what you're feeling. Like, mm. how's your heart today? And it allows people to come out of their heads and just into their body and be like, I'm sad or I'm frustrated frustrated or, you know, I'm angry, I'm overwhelmed. And then as humans, we can say, well, what can I do to help? You know, I have a bit of capacity or I don't have capacity, but you know, these tools or tricks or, or secrets have helped for me. And I think that that's where we start to connect a little bit more like human to human 
regardless of what's happening in, in the world, that we're able to, to really ask those questions of ourselves. And like you said, not just stay surface level, but like really genuinely care for, for other people, our friends, our family. Um, and then together we grow, right? Because when we heal ourselves, we really heal the world. And there's a ripple effect. When we take care of ourselves, it truly, I've seen it in my own, my own world, my own classes, that it just sort of like shifts out, right? It's like, oh, my, my kids started to breathe a little more. My spouse who always comes home angry, you know, started to breathe a little more. Or my mom who's so sassy, stop being so negative. And that's really powerful that if we take care of ourselves, our world can actually change. Uh, so true. I'm just like reflecting on a time when I would neglect my self-care and was a people pleaser and would do everything for everyone else. And it just felt so draining. So, and that would happen over the weekend. And then by the time work, you know, came around Monday morning, like I would be so drained at work. Like I couldn't show up how I wanted to. And it was just like, everything would bleed into each other. But then once I started setting these boundaries and taking care of myself and doing what I needed, everything started changing. Like work got better. Like my own personal life got better. Just how I showed up totally transformed in a more positive and just way more beneficial way. So I think it's really important that you bring that up. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite self-care practices? I know some might work for some people. They might resonate. Some others won't. What are kind of your favorite things that are maybe simple and easy to do on a daily basis that we can start to maybe cherry pick from your practice and like insert to incorporate them into our own? Yeah, I love that. And I'm so happy to share. I mean, I have a whole... I call it the buffet because it doesn't always work, right? So you have a self-care buffet, the table is big, and you just know that there's a bunch of different things that given a different, whatever day it is that you might, it might work for you, right? And so rather than us getting so attached and, you know, let's say you go into a yoga class and you're like, I need this yoga class so I can stop being overwhelmed. The yoga class may not work for you that day. So maybe you need to pick something else up from the buffet. And so some of the things on my lovely self-care buffet table... Um, breathing is always number one. When I start going up in my head, breathing is always key. And so I have an, an app that I go to very frequently and, um, you know, select meditations. And the cool thing here is that it's so proactive that when I'm in a really great state, I curate all of these things because when I go into an emotional state, I could stay in that spiral for like a long time, right? Like I, I'm just happy there, victim mode, get a little attention, excuses to stay small. And so I know I'm not great when I'm in that mode and I'm here to change the world. And so I can't stay in that mode very long. So proactively, I have the podcast queued up. I have the meditation ready to go. Like it is all bookmarked in so that when that emotion comes up and I need to take care of myself, I've got it all figured out. So breathing for me is huge a bath, water for me, something about the heat, something about creating that experience, um, you know, lathering on a lot of oil on my body. If anyone's into Ayurveda, I'm a Vata and, um, the oil for me, you know, it just soothes me so much. Hugs are huge, whether it's from a dog or a cat or a small human or a big human, uh, hugs for me are huge. 
I also love being in nature. I'm privileged to have a vehicle. And so driving is also really great for me. And crying is huge for self-care. The release from crying, I write and then I cry and then I sing and then I scream and I drive. Those are all some things. But I do want to share with you things that you can do. A 60-second forward fold. So really changing the physiology of your body, um, planning, you know, a three minute song that you really can dance to. So you push yourself away from the desk and you can either dance or you can like shake. So what you're doing is you're moving the energy. So if you're feeling kind of stuck, you just move the energy. Um, and sometimes just breathing for that, just 60 seconds. It doesn't have to be a 10 minute meditation. It can be 30 seconds. It can be 60 seconds. We always have time for those. And so that's always like a really quick fix for me. And then on a more like intermediate level, doing emotion, emotion freedom techniques, which is tapping EFT, that moves emotions for me so friggin' quickly. Like I can go from being super sad and feeling woe is me and like my life is terrible and everything is awful and crumbling to like 10 minutes later, I'm like, okay, like what's next? I'm ready for life. Uh, and And that's just a reminder that Whatever our experience is in the moment, it's sometimes it's our, our brain's interpretation of what that experience is. It's not the actual feeling. It's the thought about the feeling that causes the suffering. And so if we can deal with the thought, then we can kind of get to the root. And so I've learned to, to not take things um, so personally and to not always believe what's in my head because my brain likes to tell stories. It's the survival mode, right? Of us on the Serengeti trying to like fight for our life and our brain still remembers and thinks that things are conflict when really, you know, it's not really about us. It's never really about us. So those are some things. And again, please just hit me up in the DMs if you're feeling a certain way and you're like, I feel X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, you can then do A, B, and C um, because it, it really depends on whatever it is that you're dealing with there'll be something, there'll be something for you always. I love that. Uh, so powerful. So many techniques and techniques that are simple, inaccessible right now. You know, whether you are at home, whether you're at work, whether you're on the go, like there, like you said, there's truly a technique um, and something for everyone at any moment. So uh, I love how versatile that is. Did I miss anything that you want to add in? I was just thinking one other technique that's really helpful. If you have a lot of energy and you have to move it, if it's at like anger or just frustration, you can actually go up to a wall. And if this was a wall, this is you like standing kind of horizontally, not horizontally, diagonally, that's the one, uh, and pushing your hands into the wall. So like the, the force, it actually moves the energy out of your body. And so pushing that into the wall or pushing it into the desk can be really helpful. The same thing with the shaking or the dancing. And that goes really back to our like animalistic prime primal, um, ways of, of regulating our nervous system. Mm, incredible. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Um, so where can we connect with you on social and follow along on your journey there? Yeah. So Instagram, I just live on Instagram. I probably share way more than anybody ever wants me to share, but I love meeting new people and I'm super chatty. So you can find me at the 
dot self-care queen. Uh, and it'll just say Megan self-care educator. And you just hit me up in the DMs and say, Hey, I heard, I heard you do this thing and I want to know more and whatever. And we will just hit it off and I'll probably voice note you some wild and lengthy voice note. And then also for anyone who's watching, if you want to know more every month, I offer a free self-care audit. So it's just this workshop where a bunch of people come together, whoever like enters my world and wants a little, a little bit more where you can also ask questions I'll help you design your own self-care system and take you through the process, which I kind of mentioned here, really about what's the self-care that's going to work for you. How the heck do you fit it into a schedule where you barely even have time for lunch? So it is doable. I've, I've seen it done with people who have a bazillion kids, people who have a bazillion jobs, people who have a bazillion thoughts in their head and, and it definitely works. So lovelyhumanschool.com forward slash audit will put you on the wait list and then you'll just get an email of like whatever ne- the next one is. Um, so I'm there for you. Mm, lovely. I will put everything in the show notes so people can have a really easy way to access you. But wow, these sound amazing. I'll have to definitely jump in on one. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so expanding talking to you, learning from you. And I'm so excited to get this one out. Thank you so much. Ditto.